0: Today we're speaking with Michael Appel. Hey, Michael, how are you?
1: Good morning, I'm great. Nice to see you.
0: It's great to have you on the show, Michael. Today we're gonna be speaking a lot about retail. Michael is the managing director of Getzler Henrik & Associates. He leads their retail practice, and we'll be talking about all of the transitions and transformations that we've seen in the retail space over the last couple of years and what's happening right now and going forward. But before we get there, Michael, you've had an incredible career. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your career.
1: Okay. Well, I'll try to do a little thumbnail because there's a lot to go over. Uh, I started in the business in the seventies as a merchant. I'd spent 10 years at Bloomingdale's uh, where I uh, uh, I was a cookware buyer and then I ended up going over to apparel and running uh, the children's division. From there I went to a company called Fortune Off which was sort of the precursor big box precursor to Bed Bath and Beyond where I was vice president of merchandising and built their their housewares business and then and then from there uh, I went to a, a series of specialty retailers where um, uh, where I was president uh, and chief executive or chief operating officer in the nineties, I sort of transitioned from uh, working with really kind of traditional retail companies to working with retailers that had challenges and start, started to do turnaround work and, uh, and ran companies as diverse as uh, Caswell Massey, Laura Ashley, um, uh, did a lot of work for Goldman Sachs, uh, ran some businesses they owned in New Zealand. Uh, and, and I've covered pretty much every category of merchandise in every channel, uh, both from uh, bricks and mortar to catalog to e-commerce, and anywhere from from um, from mass discount to luxury. So I was the last uh, a chairman of the board of Lomans and uh, was also ran uh, Baccarat Crystal and uh, wow. uh, Wilkes Bashford in San Francisco. It's incredible. Yeah, well, it's fun, I, you know. I'm I'm very agnostic when it comes to merchandise and channel. Uh, I find it all very interesting because you're dealing with the with the consumer and understanding the consumer. And I think that that you know that understanding is really what helps uh, you successfully operate businesses as well as turn them around. So yeah.
0: I mean, it's a really interesting career. You've seen, I would say, kind of like that heyday of the kind of '80s and '90s where you know, retail was just exploding, you know, malls were everywhere, and then the birth of digital restructuring, reforming that, and now kind of this new world of omni-commerce and how companies are actually preparing for that. So you've seen everything, and now you're in this role, uh, Getzler, Henrik & Associates, leading their retail practice. Tell me a little bit about the transformations that uh, you're
1: gonna be facing here. Well, Well, I think that, you know, retail has been, in terms of restructuring, has been, uh, saw a blip at the beginning of the pandemic where a lot of large retailers like, you know, like Neiman's Mm -hmm. were structured and some other large retailers as well. And then it sort of went quiet. And and I think that also during that period of time, the lender communities sort of gave retailers some breathing room. Because of the severity of the situation, how it was affecting everyone, and knowing that it was was transient to some extent—that you know this was not going to go on forever—and then uh, coming out of as, the, as uh, coming out of the pandemic, and with the with the um, impetus of the the stimulus, the consumer stimulus, which injected a huge amount of money into consumers' uh, pocketbooks, uh, 2021 was was a fabulous year for almost every retailer. And although product was in short supply, uh, consumers were still sitting at home and clicking, mm. <laughs> and doing all sorts of uh, of things to their homes and buying, you know, buying sweats, doing all sorts of things uh, uh, that they hadn't done before. And um, to, to that degree, uh, and so you saw uh, some explosive growth and you know great profitability uh, and great use of working capital because consumers consumers were buying. What was on the shelves, or what was, you know, uh, online, and were not particularly price sensitive as far as promotions are concerned. So we saw a, a, a much less promotional um, uh, activity on the part of retailers last year, which really translated into great, uh, pro- you know, great profits. And it was sort of like a perfect storm yeah. of profit. For, for the retail community.
0: I'd be curious. So it's an interesting one because I think that some of the companies that I know that you're mentioning, like the Neiman Marcuses of this world, were going through aggressive digital transformations before the pandemic. How did the pandemic change the pace of this change? I mean, did you see that oh. retailers embraced
1: it a lot more or well, the, what the was going on? progressive ones did, right? I mean, you know, uh, I think what happened was was that the the progressive retailers really have been working on on digital uh you know their digital initiatives for a long time when you look at you know target investing a lot of money into digital and walmart you know years ago they bought jet uh, in order to to give them a platform to compete with amazon Mm -hmm. and so investing and i think that when the pandemic hit and people were sitting at home uh, a lot of customers who weren't necessarily digital first customers uh really had no choice so they started going online and so they became, you know, what will, what in the future be what much more on the channel. So, right. so you've got a lot of people really, uh, uh, really getting, get, you know, getting involved with digital and that's why the growth was so, you know, dramatic over that period. So I think there was an acceleration of that, which to some degree, you know, uh, uh, in other words, if, if retailers were growing, like you know, 12, 10 to 15% on, you know, in digital sales normally, that yeah. was going up to, you know, 30%, 40%, 50%. Yeah. So they could have like truncated, you know, two or three years worth of growth into one year. Now what's happening is that with the opening up of the economy and lifestyles and people going back to, um, uh, to shopping in mm-hmm. person and doing things in person and socializing, what we're seeing is, uh, Uh, That uh, customers are wanting to go are going back into stores. And the prediction is is that growth in e-commerce will moderate to some degree. It's still going to continue to grow, but that stores are are going to have, you know, a lot more, a lot more traffic than they've had in, in the past. So yeah, that
0: makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, I certainly find myself just as an end consumer, spending more time in stores and you can see that they are retailers are going through that transition. I mean, it can be on so many levels. Uh, I'd say one of the, probably the ones that you've come across is just staffing. I think there was a lot of cuts and then they're now trying to bring back, you know, the staff of these places really matters in terms of that experience.
1: Exactly. And actually, when you look at if you look at the two biggest challenges that are facing retailers today, you know, one is supply chain, how to get it in balance. Because we went from not being able to get inventory to having a lot of retailers being uh, quite overstocked this fall season and uh, recruiting, training and retaining uh, frontline associates. And, you know, that that is is you've seen this across, you know, whether it's retail, whether it's restaurants. You know anything that's con- consumer facing could be right. bank, could be anything like that, and so so the key is you know it's it's how do you how do you how do you uh, attract people, but then how do you train them so that they don't want to to, to leave? And you know people say, oh, you know it's all about money. Yes, mm. money is important, but when you when you really dig in, what you realize is is that for frontline associates. Um, They want to feel engaged with the company. They want to feel a mastery over what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they have fun, right? And what we're asking in the retail business, what we're asking uh, associates to do today is much more complicated than it was years ago. In the old days, it was basically, okay, you come in, you put the stock out in the store, you ring the register, and hopefully you interact with your customers, right? (laughs) And and sell. And, and, uh, And today, not only is that, you know, table stakes, but also because of the rise of technology and additional ancillary services we're offering to customers, it's like, okay, uh, buy online, pick up in-store, curbside pickup, ship and yeah. store all of these things um, that, are, that are requiring sales associates to be uh, more tech savvy and to have more tasks to do. Yeah. So unless they're trained to do it so they feel good about it, they can be overwhelmed. And that's one of the reasons why you're seeing the turnover you're, you're seeing. And also you're saying, okay, well, you know, I can make as much money, you know, like, like flipping burgers at McDonald's, right? And yeah. it's very easy to do that. But it's not the thing in, in the sense that, you know, if you like fashion, if you like interacting with consumers, you, you know, if you like sort of the freedom of being able to move around a, a, a store and do lots of different things and also, and really sort of measure results, right? I think, you know, it also comes down to that
0: idea that, I mean, certainly you can explore and discover stuff online for sure. However, sometimes it's actually not so easy to find stuff. It's not so easy to get good counsel. You know, I think that there's a huge, huge area for whether it be traditional companies that are have pushed into the digital space or vice versa. You know, I spent the weekend purchasing new glasses at Warby Parker. so right. you know, and it's fascinating that you know there's a company that started with a fun little online model, but clearly, I'd assume that their retail business must be the bulk of their revenue these days.
1: Well, I think that what they realized a lot of digitally native companies realized that. There was a limit to their growth online, and uh, the online model is not necessarily as profitable as people think, particularly mm-hmm. because of, of if you're offering free shipping, if you're offering free returns, etc. You know, you have to calculate the cost of that in, into the way you do business. And let's say let's say you're Zappos, right? Yeah. I was at a conference, a sourcing uh, conference in New York, and the chief customer officer of, of Zappos was talking about his own experience, which is well, you know, he wanted to buy, a, you know, pair, a couple of pair of shoes. So, so he ordered like eight pair, and he returned six. Well, what's the cost of doing that? All right, <laughs> and, and we know, and we've done a lot of work actually recently with clients just about around that, um, around that issue of, you know, uh, when do you, ch- you know, what should your threshold be for free shipping? Yeah. Should you be charging for for returns? Should you be uh, charging a restocking fee? Well, you know, if you're a small and middle market company, you know, and you're not Amazon, which, by the mm-hmm. way, does charge for, yeah. for shipping, all right, but people forget about it because they 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 pay their once a year Amazon Prime membership, right, and mm-hmm. shipping is free. Well, it's not. They paid 140 dollars or whatever the the fee is now for doing it. Uh, but for a lot of these other retailers, that they, they have to really analyze their business model to make sure that they're not. You know they're not giving away but for the warby parkers of this world it did a lot of did and bonobos remember was was the, yeah. the first one because they realized that they needed to have a retail presence in order to grow their business and become profitable and yeah. i think that the omni-channel model is a good model because basically if you look at consumers today right uh they want what they want when they want it right yeah so sometimes they're in the mood you know to to buy online. Sometimes they research online and they wanna buy in stores, et cetera. But I think your point before about the experience of being in a store uh, is important because if you're buying fashion apparel all right, Yeah, uh, I think that the ability to go to a store that is, is focused on you and you know, what you like yeah. and be surrounded by merchandise yeah. and to try on product and build outfits and accessorize, you know, is all part of the experience. I think it's needed still. I found myself
0: at uh, Saks Fifth Avenue the other day and it just hit me. My son was going off to college and we were trying to buy him a couple of nice things so that he would have, you know, if he got invited to various things, have a suit or something. And it was just good to talk to somebody that was knowledgeable. Certainly I could go online and buy a, a cheap suit from somewhere, but. I don't know what a good suit is. I mean, I'm not right. an expert on this stuff, right? Right. Right.
1: <laughs> so, and and also the ability to to get to get in the dressing room and yeah. try different things. Yeah. And see, I like the, you know this looks more flattering. This is good. And then how how do you complete the outfit? Right. In, yeah. In the- so. Absolutely.
0: So listen, Michael, I feel like, you know, in the next couple of weeks, you're going to be the most popular analyst everywhere as everyone looks at the Black Friday. We look to try to see what the retail outlets are doing and what the numbers look like. But I also feel like Black Friday has moved and changed, certainly with the digital era. I think there was also, there used to be kind of a Cyber Monday and all these things. But Tell me a little bit about what you're seeing, and as we go into this holiday season. Yeah,
1: well, I think this there's sort of a reset this year, in the sense that you know, people, a people are going to be shopping in stores more. B uh, most many many retailers are are much more he- much more heavy with inventory than they have been in the past, and mm-hmm. that's been you know, Target talked about it, Walmart's talked about it, Nike. Uh, uh, in their earnings call said that they were, you know, 30% over last year in inventory. Yeah. And the question's gonna be, uh, and that's not uncommon across the board because of what happened where, you know, that uh, supply chain was 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 sort of broken and then they all ordered and opened, maybe overordered in anticipation that things were going to, in 22 were gonna be better than 21. And 21, mm-hmm. look at 21, you have to take out the effect of the stimulus. From what your base uh, sales are, yeah. and then say, okay, based on that, um, we we reasonably expect that this is how much business we're going to be doing. And I think, right. I think retailers who are always optimistic, okay, and maybe over optimistic, <laughs> you know, uh, just said, well, you know, the party's going to go on forever, and we're going to need more. And then when you add onto it, it's a, it's a very complicated year when you add on the effect of inflation. All
0: right. Yeah, I was going to push into that, actually, Michael, because here we are at the end of 2022. And certainly we are living with the realities of inflation. I mean, it it is higher than it's been since the 1970s. You know, yeah. Michael, as you talked about, you know, back in the day, I remember my parents' mortgage being like 18%. And I said that to... The team the other day and they and a couple of young people just like gasped. <laughs> like it seems so strange. But you know, we've had moments where the inflation has been high in recent history. Certainly we now have this moment. Tell me how you think that's gonna impact.
1: Look, I always say Christmas comes every year, right? If you look at the numbers, the monthly numbers this year, last year are up, you know, mid to high single digits. And yeah. the predictions from the NRF and and some of the other consulting firms are, there's going to be, you know, Christmas sales are going to be anywhere from four to 8% higher than last year. That's in dollars. Mm-hmm. However, if you look at what the unit sales are going to be, since prices have gone up, you know, 10%, 15%, 20% in luxury, yeah. you know, the luxury retailers are going, you know, going, have been putting in huge price increases. What you're going to see is people are going to be buying less units, but it's going mm. to be more dollars. And so... So, so the key is disciplined inventory planning and mm. saying, okay, and we haven't had to do that for 40 years. Right. So we, and the last time we had inflation, what we learned was, was actually inflation was pretty good for retail sales. Sales went up. However, yeah. if you weren't careful to move that back, whatever that number was to how many units uh, that's going to translate into in terms of what you need to purchase, you become over inventory. And I think we're in that cycle now. And so retailers really need to to really rethink um, you know, how, they, how they plan their inventories and um, or otherwise what's gonna happen is, and and we're, we're living with a certain amount of this now, is that you're in this over inventory position and the only way to get out of it is gonna be to promote or to job it off or whatever. And that's going to impact profitability. And I think yeah. you're gonna see some, some, we're already seeing if you looked at, at some of the numbers, the, that have been reported uh, third quarter from from retailers and and also from some of the manufacturers is that you know profits are declining, so mm. they're going to increase that in terms of how they how they run their business so they don't get into this this over inventory position. And you know the other piece of it too is let's face it, uh, you can't you you cannot underestimate or you need to take into account the fact that uh, gasoline is up thirty three percent from last year yep. at this time. Uh, Energy's up 16%. I just read an article about, you know, what the the differences are and, and, uh, uh, you know, food is up. So those are, those are like non-discretionary, right? Yeah. To have that. So for, for middle and lower income consumers, that's going to bite into their discretionary income. Yeah. You you know, you're going to say to yourself, okay, well, if that's the case, which is almost like the polar opposite of last Christmas, where there was tons of money around in people's pockets, um, then consumers are going to be more discriminating in their purchase behavior. Right. And so you're going to have to give them a reason to buy. And I would say two things that you need to keep in mind. One is um, that people are going to be looking for deals because the media <laughs> but, you know, the today show is you know don't shop until such and such a day. Or is Black Friday really the lowest the lowest numbers. Or are you gonna get a better deal 10 days before Christmas? You know, there's that piece of it, which is on everybody's mind. And um, in, in addition to that fact, it, it's like customers, when, when they have less money to spend and be more discriminating, wanna be excited by the merchandise they buy. Right. So we are gonna see less purchasing, in my opinion, okay, of sort of like basic commodity goods. Right. If I need another pair of black, black pants you know, or a basic tea or whatever, I'd much rather buy something, you know, really cool, great looking dress, a great looking sweater, you know, a new handbag or something or something that's going to excite me. So contrary to what a lot of people feel, a lot a lot of people what they do is they play it safe. And Mm. the consumer is not interested. The consumer needs you need to pry open their 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 wallet, right? To get Mm. them to buy. So in these times when people are you know, psychologically a little on edge. and You know, we have the whole election and everything else like that. You know, it's like they want to have fun. They want to be inspired and excited by what they buy. So they make the mistake of not investing enough in fashion. And let me tell you, that's a big mistake because the the retailers that do will do well.
0: Yeah. No, I can see that. And it's certainly interesting times. Once again, the great thing, Michael, about your career is the retail industry is always dynamic, always changing. And certainly we're going through another one of those cycles. But before we end, I'd just be curious, if you play the role of Nostradamus for a second and you look forward, when are we going to see kind of that magical world of easy omni-commerce kind of being part of all of our lives?
1: Well, I think, for, you know, I think that people are, are adapting to technology. Technology is, is, is with us. And also, it's not the enemy, okay? Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, it, it's, it it's, a, it's another way for us to be able to uh, uh, make things easier, right? Saving time and whatever. And also for retailers, technology is really, when you look at how, the cost of running a retailer is much greater than it was in the past, right? Yeah. So you got to be omnichannel, the and then you're investing in social media, and you know all sorts of other things that are going on. So you have to say to yourself, okay, you know, how do I maintain my profitability? Well, techno- there are so many technology solutions that yeah. are available to retailers today that that can help them do that, and better inventory planning, AI-powered uh, training of, of frontline associates. Uh, predictive analytics and helping helping merchants buy the right stuff mm-hmm. you know it's all available and and there's an- another platform that some of our, our our customers are using that helps them you know sort of scrape the internet to see what are their competitors charging for items yeah. can we raise prices do we have to lower prices you know how do we be priced right in that regard so there are all these things that you can do today that weren't available before or incredible yeah costly to implement and now you've got the cloud and you can do all sorts of things that are you know there you can implement them great rois to help you to to help you do it so yeah. i think that you know it's it's like listen technology's going to move forward younger consumers are embrace it and yeah. every
0: it's wonderful when you go into these places now uh these malls and you'll go into a store and there's so many new business models being rolled out in the retail space I was in one of the Nike stores where you know I went to purchase an item and they're like oh no you got to do this you got to download the app to be able to purchase this (laughs) it's kind of like oh I I just want to buy these shoes and no sir you have to (laughs) download
1: the app (laughs) and and the associates have to be to help you do that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So so that's where the training comes in, right? Yeah. In, In that, and then when they do it and you do it and you get the transaction done, boom. Okay. And
0: also it does actually create a loyalty structure too. I mean, you do immediately have kind of a direct line and I'm sure there's data capture there and it's amazing. Well, Michael, it's been great talking to you about what you're working on. We've been speaking with Michael Appel He's the managing director at Getzler, Henrik & Associates. He leads their retail practice. And we've been talking about really the changes of the retail space and some of the areas that companies are gonna be thinking about as they restructure and move forward over the next couple of months and years. Lots of dynamism in the industry right now. Michael, if someone wanted to learn more about what you and the Getzler, Henrik & Associates team are up to,
1: Where's the best place to find you? Well, you can, you can uh, email me directly at mpel, M-A-P-P-E-L, at com or uh, give me a call at 917-789-3615. And we're, we love to talk to, to clients and retailers, and we, we pride ourselves in, in really giving them personalized attention, uh, whether it's a healthy business or a business that's under stress. Uh, We love it all. So uh, we'd love, love to talk to you guys.
0: Excellent. Well, we hope that everybody has a good Black Friday and a good Cyber Monday. But Michael, thank you so much for being on the program today.
1: Cheers. My pleasure.